0: Hello, and welcome to the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Hey, we are approaching the 4th of July weekend, and uh, that is always a big day for racing. But, you know, first off, we had a packed weekend of racing this past weekend, uh, and we have to discuss it, because there's a lot to talk about, there's a lot to unpack about it, Uh, both of us, Josh, you know, I don't know about you, but uh, my Saturday was interesting, I went. Uh, I had tickets to go see the Mariners, my favorite baseball team, play the White Sox up in Chicago. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, I live in Indianapolis. Uh, actually, now I'm a Greenwood resident, technically. I live in the county line now between Indianapolis and Greenwood. Fun fact about that. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I would go up to Chicago, and it's raining pretty hard. And, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm optimistic. First pitch happens a little bit late. Uh, but that's okay because, you know, the sun came out. Well, about the third, as soon as the third inning ended, that's when the rains came and the game was suspended. And I had to drive three hours back to Indianapolis, having only seen about a quarter of a baseball game, a third of a baseball game. Excuse me, oh, yeah, about a third of a baseball game. So, I had fun. I hope your weekends were more more fun than my, mine, because uh, we're going to talk about racing. It's it's this is why rain rain delays in sports they really just suck uh, yeah. in racing. Could you imagine if I driven up to see a race instead and it got rain delayed and I would drive all the way back, you know, that would just be awful. So, you know, Hey, it happens. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, Hey, we're all on social media. Um, my name is at R Peters 33. That's R P E E T E R S 33. Josh is at roller underscore zero one. And the show is at Robin roller spell just as it sounds at R O B A N D R O L L E R. Uh, we've had a lot of shows go long lately, so I'm going to try and jump through this real fi- quick and jump right into the news with Rob's racing report. Starting off with Formula One, uh, changes are coming to the Yas Marina Circuit in Abu Dhabi to help improve the racing product. This was this is huge. You know, I think a lot of people have suggested at least the first change. The last change kind of surprises me. It kind of bums me out because driving that section in racing games has always been kind of fun, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I get what they're trying to do here. So yeah. the hairpin that was previously turn 7 is being removed, and a wide corner replaces turns 5, 6, and 7. Uh, turns 11 through 14 are being replaced with a single sweeping turn. That's that final sector, more or close to the final sector that I was talking about uh, earlier. Um, and finally, what currently is turns 18, 19, and 20 will be modified to have a wider radius. So this is going to be very interesting to see if this will increase uh overtaking at Abu Dhabi I I already thought Abu Dhabi was a fine track I mean obviously I'm glad that they made the change to the hairpin in turn 7 that was overdue that was m- much needed I mean it it just took away it it took away a potential pass passing zone it was completely unnecessary it made no sense it it it, it just it didn't need to be there. I haven't liked it since they started. I have thought Abu Dhabi was one of the most beautiful modern racetracks I've ever yeah. seen. Agreed. But the layout is confusing and stupid. And so now they're simplifying it and making it a little bit more uh, traditional, which I really like because it shows the commitment to trying to keep racing there at that, at that facility, which is a beautiful facility. Uh, and then, you know, not only that, but to make sure that better races are held there. Because if you're going to have this the season finale of formula 1 be here for you know yeah. the indefinite future i'm assuming yeah. you know you want to put on a good show because there's a lot of people who are going to be watching it especially if the title race goes down to the wire which it very well could this year yeah you don't want to you don't want a
1: thud of a race and i think that's what we've kind of had there for a while so I, you know i applaud these changes though i thought, I thought it was a, when i saw it i'm like all right awesome that was my reaction
0: and i thought it was a good change i thought there were good changes so yeah, I thought they were great changes. What, well, like I said, well overdue. Um, so hey, we got uh, even more racetrack news. Uh, another great racetrack. So we lost the Turkish Grand Prix a while ago, uh, but now it's back. Yeah. Thankfully, it's back. So, uh, we since Singapore got canceled, they are now adding Turkey to right. replace Singapore's date. So we do get the Turkish Grand Prix again. Um, again, just, one of just, what's that? Can it just replace Singapore permanently? Can I it, can wish this it happen? Would be better. Uh, personally, I would be a lot happier if C Pang replaced it, but, uh, that's just me. Uh, you know, people can call it a terrible Tilka track all they want, but the fact of the matter is it's, it has some really great elements to it and a pretty darn, uh, exciting couple passing zones that are, that are always exciting to watch. So that's just my opinion, I guess it's not really important to anybody else. I'm just... I mean, show me a legitimate place to pass at Singapore, and I'll show you two at at Sepang. That's that's true. That's true. I can't argue with that. Can't argue with that. Uh, and how about this? This is this is interesting. So we're really cracks yeah. are getting shake, shaken up in Formula One because this is the mm-hmm. third and final note here for Formula One news. The Russian Grand Prix will have a new home beginning in 2023. The race will relocate from Cho- the Sochi Autodrome to I'm going to mispronounce this. Um, Autodrome Igora Drive. I think that's pretty spot on. All right, Igora Drive is located approximately 50 miles north of Saint Petersburg, um, and so like Sochi, this is a uh, Herman Tilke design, and it was actually completed in 2019. So this is surprising. I didn't really expect them to replace Sochi. Uh, I understand that Sochi is no longer really the destination that uh, Vlad thought it was going to be. <laughs> It's really, I mean, if you really look at where Sochi is located, Yeah, it's I, not- I want you to ask yourself if you would like to vacation there. I would not want to vacation anywhere. There probably, all. well, okay, not in Russia, but let's say you, okay, but seriously, let's say hypothetically you have an all expenses paid trip and you can stay anywhere you want in Russia. You could see anything you want and you could stay anywhere. You can stay anywhere in, in Russia. You're probably. Not gonna pick Sochi. I can't imagine there's much to do or much historical sites to see.
1: And you're looking at like, I to me, I think it um, would come down to um, like, like Moscow, Saint Petersburg. Uh, I can't remember the it's. Uh, I'm gonna look it up, but it don't matter. Yeah, but it's not going to be so. Games and uh, Sochi is one of those places that it just wasn't. Well, the World Cup's not any better, um, but. Well, and that that that's true, I mean, just at this, I mean look
0: it, at Brazil, I mean, they hosted uh the Olympics, and Brazil's
1: then Brazil's class is is, is case number up. one on why you you shouldn't put a Olympics in a country that can't afford it, so Half I'm sorry, places are abandoned.
0: I mean this that's the thing about Sochi is when you look at it, I'm pretty sure most of those Olympic stadiums have not been used since the 2014 Olympics
1: I think you'd be correct, I
0: think you'd be correct
1: and, I and, mean and it's, what it's what Russian sport is
0: going to play their games in Sochi unless they're located there. none none None. exactly you you probably i I imagine most of the russian sports are not located in sochi no No. so you you have that problem and you're not going to get any sports to relocate there either i think Vlad's just gotta stick a fork in it and say "Yeah, we tried it didn't work let's move to st petersburg where people actually kind of want (laughs) to be yeah you're
1: exactly right you're exactly right
0: all right time for indycar news uh hey Flying Ryan Norman will make his NTT IndyCar Series debut in the number fifty-two Rick Ware Racing Honda this weekend at Mid Ohio. That's a big deal for him. He's been a, a, a good driver in Indy Lights for a while. He's paid his dues. He's been getting his uh, plenty of ex- uh, plenty of experience. Um, not I, I don't know that he's won a, a lot, but I do know that he's a pretty consistent driver for the most part.
1: I spoke when I was an extern at IndyCar. I spoke with him, um, and and he and just kind of not related to the subject, but he was looking forward to hopefully trying to get a ride in 2020, which obviously didn't happen. Um, Yeah, and but he, I'm happy when I heard this news. I'm like, good for Ryan. Good for
0: Ryan. I'm 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 happy to see this. I like to see that that second uh, Dale Coin Rick Ware car has some funding. You know, it made its its debut last week or not last week, but two weeks ago at Road America with Cody Ware, who actually gave it a pretty good ride. I talked about it on the show. Uh, I thought he was pretty decent for a first time in an car to finish 19, to not spin, not have any issues. I mean, that's not something that drivers who are taking their first crack at an open-wheel car can say. You know, now, Cody, I, I'm sure he's got experience driving sports cars, but nothing like IndyCar you know, the downforce levels might be similar, but they're not the same. Yeah. Brakes might be similar, but they're not the same again. You it's know, completely so there's different deal. It's, it's a completely different deal. Yeah. Yeah. But again, like I said, this was really good to see that uh, Ryan Norman was able to, I don't know if he brought the sponsorship or if Rick Ware found the sponsorship or what happened, what have you. Um, but th- that's really cool to see. So good, good for him. Uh, and second, a final IndyCar note here. Hey, this broke today. Uh, Josh, this is kind of interesting. I think we're, getting the idea that this probably might have happened, but a racer has put out an article that says Andretti Autosport could be in for a lineup change uh, next year as only uh, Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta are signed uh, for the foreseeable future for next year. Basically Uh, that leaves now uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and James Hinchcliffe without contracts for next year. Currently now this is kind of surprising to me because you know, I understand that James Hinchcliffe has been having a terrible season, and Ryan Honoré has been having a below-par season uh, as well. And and that's really s- upsetting but surprising. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, is it the drivers or is it these teams? Because Andretti Autosport as a whole is not great. You know, it's not like they're competing for wins every week. I mean, Colton Hurt is pretty much the only guy that's going to be in the top five uh, and if he's lucky. I'm pretty sure if Rossi finishes, he's going to finish in the top ten or he's going to— have a DNF due to something that's not his own fault or he's going to run poorly. And Hunter Ray and Hinchcliffe are going to be also rands. And that's not their fault. I don't think because Hunter Ray is a Daytona or come on. What's wrong with me? What am I rusty? Wells? Hunter Ray is an IndyCar champion and an Indianapolis 500 champion. So you can't sit here and say Hunter Ray is not any good. Uh, Hinchcliffe, he doesn't have a championship or a 500, but he's won races. He's proven that he's, he can do it. But yeah. he hasn't had much success lately in IndyCar, which is disappointing. I think. Um, the,
1: I think getting dumped by uh, aero McLaren so late in 20, uh, 2019, right? That it just it just
0: it hurt. I think little, it hurt his stock as a driver. And it oh, I, I definitely think well. so.
1: I, I I definitely think so. And it just being out of the car for a year obviously has not. Done any done any wonders for him either? I think that's a big problem too. But I think I think this is more of an organizational deal. I can't put this. I can't I can't put this on. I can't put the struggles on Rossi in 2020 or his struggles right now on Rossi. I, I think it's an organizational deal, and the only thing that's clicking at Andretti right now, and even that is somewhat spotty, is is, is the 26 car of Herda. and and yeah. that's kind of sad to see because this team should be. You know, part of the, it is the big three. They're part of the big three, but right now they're what the fifth best team out there, if that. Yeah,
0: if that. so yeah, it's sad to see. It is sad to see. You know, one. I mean, they're still a good team. They're still a fast team. It's not like they're finishing dead last every week, but it, it 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 does seem like they have had a lot of issues in the past couple of years with getting drive their drivers up to speed. Yeah. Um. and you know that's just the way things go sometimes Uh. moving on here into NASCAR news Kaz Gralla, who is a road course specialist I guess I didn't know he was yeah. a road course yeah. specialist yeah. is that why he's been at all the road courses and like doesn't have a full time ride anywhere okay yeah unfortunately that makes sense so he's going to drive for Jordan Anderson racing this weekend at Road America in the Xfinity series so again Jordan Anderson has that number 31 car that he's been trying to get into the Xfinity series and get it qualifying and he's successfully done that now. I believe he's got the owner's points now. I think think he's got pretty much the owner's
1: points to stay in the rest of the year, as long as they don't, you know, garbage their races.
0: So I mean, they can finish top 15. He's good. He's solid. Uh, So that's good for good for Kaz. Uh, And now how about this? This was like a Stern bomb that broke uh, last week. This was crazy. So like I said, we had a lot of uh, crazy formula one news with track announcements. Well, NASCAR is already like kind of getting into silly season almost with like everything. Um, So it is believed this is Adam Stern reporting it. This is everybody else kind of confirming it as well. Most of the rest of the media bullpen confirming it or indirectly confirming it, I guess is more so how PR people are going to go about it. You know, when you can't spill the beans yet, you're going to say no comment. Well, yeah. no comment is still a comment, you know? Yeah. You can't, you can't get away with it. We know what you mean by no comment. It means right. you don't have a comment at this moment, but you will in yeah. the future. So just yep. stay tuned. It's like, okay, well, that kind of leads us down this path of, hmm, um, if you're outright denying it, then that's different. But no comment is still a comment. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it is believed that Brad Keselowski is going to Roush Fenway Racing in 2022, which will include an ownership role in addition to being a driver. Adam Stern tweeted that Roush Fenway Racing has in- informed its partners that the deal is done. So Stern again knows. Stern has someone on the inside. I don't know how Stern gets all this information. He gets more information than Jenna Fryer does. He gets more information than uh, uh, literally is. anybody. Bob Pockers, Yeah. How does he get yeah. more information than Bob Pockers? That's what I want to know. I think it's more so attached to the media outlet that he's with. To be honest, it could. Okay, you're probably right. But I, I mean, I would not. I would want to know. Like, why would you not want? this big announcement on like race hub or something. And remember who initially broke this news, Jim Utter initially broke it. So had
1: his, had, had some sort of
0: blocked by Jim Utter. were able to see it. Correct. And I'm thankfully I'm one of those, but that's just because I've never interacted with them. And I personally, I personally choose not to not just because I don't want him to have a bad opinion of me. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I like motorsport.com, dude. And if he's the NASCAR editor there, I better not piss him off. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, So, yeah. Um, And then, hey, last piece of NASCAR news here. Uh, Silly season even comes to the broadcast booth. Uh, Jeff Gordon will not return to Fox Sports uh, next season. Hedrick Motorsports announced that on January 1st of 2022, Jeff Gordon, who is currently the co-owner, will assume the role as vice chairman of the team, Making him second in command behind Rick Hendrick. This was always the plan. Always this was planned. never. This was never a secret. It was a matter of. It was never a matter of if, but when. Uh, and everybody, I think, knew that. Um, yeah. Jeff Gordon, as a broadcaster, I think uh, most people can agree he was a much better driver than a broadcaster. <laughs> I thought um, he was okay. He wasn't certainly the best, and I and I and I, I think a lot of people's.
1: Just got their own little bias because they didn't like him as a driver. But I thought no, he was all right. I, I,
0: did. I like him as a driver. I just <laughs> felt like as a commentator, he wasn't as good as Larry Mack. I'm sorry. Larry Mack's a crew chief and he's a driver. He was better than, I think, even when Gordon was at
1: his weakest in 2016, he was better than DW at the time. And I think that just
0: highlighted D. D- I'm sorry. DW I'm didn't sorry. really I'm- start to go downhill, I don't think, until 17. Once I, Jeff Gordon I, moved in there, that's when DW just went completely. I saw, walls.
1: I saw immediately, like when 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 Gordon got in there, just DW just had been out of the car too long,
0: you know. And yeah, I think he, well, he's well, actually he's kind of like just a fan at this point, watching for fun. Yeah. He's not providing any new information to the broadcast. He's just kind of watching it along with us. It's yeah. you know he'd be better. I mean he could probably. I'm sure that there's probably a market if DW wanted to go on Twitter Live or whatever, Facebook Live every Sunday and just do a live watch along. I'm sure there'd be a market for that, oh gosh, but yes. it's it's not it's not on on Fox Sports right now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I just uh, it'd be interesting to see what Fox does next year
1: because I, I I mean I assume Clint Boyer's coming back. I'm sure he's got a multi-year deal there. But oh, uh, he-
0: great. Right. Clint's been
1: highlighting. I, I mean, Mike Joy and Clint Boyer could be fun, but... I think they'll put a third person up there. I, I don't think they're going to do a two-man booth. Look,
0: man, I love Larry Mack and Clint Boyer's chemistry already. So, it really, just... Clint Boyer's a perfect person to succeed DW. It's probably going to be
1: uh, Jamie McMurray. It, 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 let's be honest, it's going to be Jamie Mack. I want and, it to be a crew chief, though. Uh, but, but okay, with, uh, he, You can't have two
0: drivers in the booth. Two drivers in the booth doesn't sound right. That's why NBC bothers me when they put Dale Jr. up there too because it's like, no, you already have one. You have Steve Lutard, you have Jeff Burton, you have the crew chief, you have the driver in this. You don't need another driver up there. I understand everybody likes Jr. We're all on the Jr. retirement tour still, but for the love of all that is good, look, guys, you only need a crew chief, a driver, and a lead analyst. It's it's how everyone works.
1: I think it's nice to have two opposing driver deals, though, because like, Jeff Burton and, and Dale Jr. don't always agree, and I think it's great when you have that little disagreement on either whether it's strategy or a driver decision on track or how a driver has interacted with another competitor out there. And, like, As we're, really we're, dog, like Larry Mack spent all this money on this um, crew chief setup or whatever they called it. I forget what they called it um, a few years ago. Where... Um, You know, they built this thing just specifically for Larry here in Charlotte that I don't think they're going to just say, hey, Larry, want to put you back on the road unless they feel like that's the best option. I think it'd be nice to at least get him back at the track, but I do think they'll put a second driver up there with with Clint. I hate to bust your bubble on that one, Rob, but uh, yeah, that's just my opinion.
0: oh, okay, here it is. Never mind. I was hoping for something. I was I was I know you're you're busting my bubble here. I'm just hoping and praying for literally anybody anybody else. Anybody like Wally, gimme Wally. He's Wally. not doing anything anymore, maybe maybe. but I know he says his his broadcasting career is over, which is disappointing. But Oh well. Alright. Well, let's move on, Josh. Uh we're about twenty minutes in, so we're actually Actually, we stayed on topic. Relative? No, we didn't. I'm kidding. We we got way off topic. <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> hey you've had some Rob's racing reports that went 30 minutes deep, man. So I'll take 20 minutes as a win. <laughs> okay, we'll take it as a win then. Uh, we'll move on to the featured paint scheme. Uh, everybody loves the featured paint schemes. Tell us about your featured paint scheme. Do you want to know? I actually want. I'm issuing a challenge to our listeners. You know, if if when we say what year and series the featured paint scheme is, you know. You guys can get involved in this too. Tweet us at us. You know, like, dude, you guys are as much of this part as, as sh- much of a, a part of this show as we are. So believe me, when we're given our featured paint schemes, if there's one that you think we missed or, or you're like shocked we didn't talk about this, like, how can you not talk about this? What is wrong with you? You know, dude, feel free to just go ahead and tweet us. Like, we want to know. We'll retweet you probably. I don't know. Or the, I'm sure the show's account will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't guarantee oh, you they or will Josh will, but I know the show's account probably will. Um, so, yeah, seriously. So the featured paint scheme this week is going to be the 2011 NASCAR White Series. Now, last week, I talked about Kyle Busch's uh, NASCAR White Series scheme from this year, the Z-Line design. So I had to pick another one, which was actually quite fun. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, but uh, before I go, I'm going to turn it over to Josh, and he's going to give his pick first. So, Josh, why don't you go ahead and tell us all about who you picked uh, the car that you picked for this week's featured paint scheme.
1: Yeah, I remember I, I moved this back a week, and I had already picked it. Well, I just finished typing this out, and I'm like, boop, light bulb went off. Let's do a Kyle Busch one. So I'm going with a one-off for Turner Motorsports, James Busher's number 34, yes, 34, Xide battery Chevrolet. Uh, if you're familiar with Busher's number 31 Xide battery truck that he raced that year, uh, take that paint scheme and pasted on the 2011 Chevrolet Impala. What an ugly car. The car was uh, base blue with uh, waves along the sides. that had like a dark blue-purple uh, kind of tint. And uh, it was outlined by burnt gold. I'll classify that color as burnt gold. That's what I see. Um, the number was the same font as the rest of the Turner uh, entries uh, at the time. Uh, in the And, uh, you know, I take this... I... I um, I selected this car because I was always really a big fan of all the Turner and Turner-Scott-era paint schemes. I don't think they had too many misses, whether it was in, in the, the, the Nationwide Series or the Truck Series. I just don't think they had any. Um, and then you look at the 34 and the XI Batteries sponsorship. Well, that was a 90-sponsor. So how could I not pick this one? So, you know, that was just that was kind of in a, in a way it's a throwback sponsorship. I don't know if Xide sponsored anybody and from after they left Burton and they left NASCAR until this I point don't in time.
0: I think they did oh, to my you. knowledge. Uh, no, actually, they did sponsor Johnny Benson's truck in two thousand eight.
1: That's right, they did sponsor the the, the Bill Davis. They did the Bill I think Davis. That race.
0: was that was the extent of their sponsorship, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and that was just a few races. So,
1: and obviously, that was a forgettable one. So, I'm sorry, Johnny Benson uh, and Bill Davis Racing. Um, so yeah, I I I went with this one, and the thirty four was kind of like the forty six of Hendrick Motorsports. You know, it just had a couple races, so that was kind of cool. Um, so Busher, this only start was at Bristol in the spring. He started 16th and finished 13th. The winner that day was Kyle Busch. So, uh, I think, uh, I, 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 I've always liked this car ever since I remember it being announced that he, or actually I didn't even saw think I saw the announcement. I think I just watched the race and I'm like, Ooh, 34. That's new. So, yeah, that's why I went with this one. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just one-offs are fun. Rob, I know you love your one-offs. and uh, Well, I think we all love the one-offs, man. We just wish there were more one-offs. Um, so, Rob, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, yours?
0: Well, speaking of one-offs, yeah. I picked a one-off, too. Yes, you yes, did. I feel like you segued pretty well into that. So, my selection is uh, Kevin Harvick's number four, one main financial Chevrolet Impala, Unfortunately, yes, this was also on an Impala. Well, I didn't hate the Impala, but it was not pretty at all. It, it I, didn't I, match.
1: It didn't match no, the Ford didn't. Mustang and the Dodge Challenger. It stood out like a sore thumb. Like Toyota, okay, fine. You didn't have the super at the time. Toyota, you do your Toyota. Style. Toyota had
0: no like pony car. No, I they mean, had no they, pony really, car. the the car they were promoting and have been promoting is like the car to buy is the Camry. Now. Yeah. The the Camry that makes that looks like a sports car is the 2017 Camry with the optional rear wing. Yeah. Have you ever seen one of those out in real life real life?
1: I, I have seen numerous
0: of those. Those out are beautiful. Here. They yeah. they don't look like a, a boring generic stand of a Camry. Those look like hot cars. And I like the fact that Toyota was like, oh what, you think the Camry is like for moms and for generic people? No, watch what we can do to the Camry to make it look like a, a frickin' sports car. Oh, we'll bring back the Supra, too. But look at what the Camry looks like right now. But, yep. yeah, no, you're right. The Impala was so out of place. They needed oh. to... As soon as they brought in the Camaro, everything... Well, they, well, well, I forget, like, Chevrolet...
1: Not to hijack your segment here, but, like, Chevrolet's reasoning, if I remember correctly, was, like, NASCAR is a four-door car series in sanctioning body. I'm like, great! Awesome! Um, I'm pretty sure maybe there was a couple Grand Prix out there that were only two doors. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering that, but anyway, the, uh, the, no, Monte Carlo, were,
0: you, you're, you're right. There were yeah. Pontiac Grand Prix that were two doors
1: and the Monte Carlo was two doors. So Monte what, Carlo was two yeah. doors. Yep. You're right. What What's going on here?
0: You can't, I don't know. I never, oh, I never no, understood. No, no actually was. here's the thing. Uh, I've seen impalas that were two doors. Really? Yes.
1: Hmm. Either way. All right. When Dodge puts up the Challenger and the Ford puts up the Mustang, I'm going back to the drawing board and saying, "Okay, guys,
0: we need to get the Camaro out here." They here should have recognized their mistake in 2010 yes. during those first yes. four yes. races and said, "Okay, guys, yeah, for the yeah. This, the Apollo was just a test. This this is our actual thing." Yeah, it's come like, back yeah. in
1: 2011 and you have the Camaro. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what no, they should have no, done. Why do
1: you tell us a little bit about yours? Yeah,
0: I so I, hey, why did I pick this? Well, first of all, uh, because if you th- remember back to 2011, Elliott Sadler had basically decided, okay, I'm done with cup racing. Cup racing sucks. Also, uh, Evernham Motorsports had just basically collapsed, um, and it was now gone. It was Richard Petty Motorsports now. Yeah. Um, and Casey Kane had bailed. Um by this point, yeah, Casey Kane had bailed. He went to Red Bull. So Sadler bailed too, and uh, took a better ride with RCR and the Xfinity Series or the Nationwide Series, excuse me. Back then, was and,
1: it RCR Kevin Harvick incorporated?
0: Well, yeah, it was a partnership between the yeah. two. Okay, it was a partnership between it was it was like KHI RCR. I think it was KHI in the first year, um, and then it became RCR in twenty twelve and then when it he went to Gibbs in 13 14 I think
1: And then he went to Roush
0: Roush in in 15 and then 16 with Junior Motorsports, Motorsports yeah. yeah so uh yeah so that's but but yeah so Sadler was there and and Kevin Harvick was racing for his for his own team obviously in the number 4 and uh so Sadler brought on uh 1 Main Financial as a sponsor which was at the time a new sponsor to NASCAR and it actually hasn't been seen since, I don't think uh, in NASCAR, if I'm correct, I can't, I'm pretty sure one main financial has not sponsored a car since Elliot Sadler retired. I don't believe so. No, yeah. cause I think, oh.
1: I think a big reason he retired is that they were leaving.
0: Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but anyway, during this time, Kevin Harvick did a one-off paint scheme for the July Daytona race, the subway firecracker 250, uh, which should be this weekend, but isn't sadly. Um, and, uh, it, it was much different. So Sadler's car was was white and it had light blue on the bottom uh, circling around the car. Now Sadler Sadler's car uh, eventually changed up its paint scheme uh, in in the next year and following years, but but Kevin Harvick gave us kind of a foreshadowing to what those paint schemes were going to look like because Kevin Harvick drove a dark blue a, dark, a darker blue paint scheme, a uh, one main financial paint scheme that was this. Now it had the same light blue as Sadler's car on the bottom. And uh, But it was a very different idea of a paint scheme. It was almost like an alternate paint scheme that was made uh, for one main financial. So it was really actually cool to see this and to sit there and think, okay, you're seeing uh, two cars sponsored by the same company, but they look entirely different. And that's always cool because to see companies kind of experiment with different types of paint schemes. Uh, especially to see that on Kevin Harvick's car compared to what Sadler was running was really cool. And like I said, it was kind of like a foreshadowing to what they were kind of going to go with in the future. It almost was like, Oh, Hey, we like that darker blue. It kind of makes us stand out a little bit more, you know, amongst the pack. And I really think it did because you could, yeah. when Sadler switched to that paint scheme later on, I mean, he stuck out and you could tell where Sadler was. If at like a race at Daytona or Talladega, you know, you knew exactly where Elliott Sadler was because that car was so iconic, I think, or the paint scheme was so iconic. So, um, but yeah, so like I said, Harvick, this was his last year with KHI as a team. Uh, he folded it, closed it up at the end of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, this car finished a mediocre 18th at Daytona in its one-off attempt. So again, you know, I don't know what to say about that other than, I don't think I don't think I don't think the sh- the team showed any signs of struggling there, so I think that was just down to getting shuffled out of the draft or whatever. I can't remember the race at the top of my head. It was a tandem draft two race, so I haven't watched it in a while. But um, yeah, that's my featured pain scheme for this week. Um, Josh, I think uh, we should start moving on to uh, race discussions because yeah. we did have a, a solid amount of racing this weekend. We had Pocono doubleheader for NASCAR. They the trucks raced on Saturday, then the Cup ran their first race. Xfinity ran on Saturday or Sunday, and then Cup ran after. ARCA ran on Friday afternoon, which I totally forgot and didn't even know about because it was never promoted or whatever. I don't know. I someone posted about it in, in, in a racing group I'm in on Facebook, and all of a sudden I was like, Oh man, there's an ARCA race on. I thought there would be, but I wasn't sure. And I turn on FS1 and Ty Gibbs is driving someone all the way down to the apron and good gracious, good gracious. But, um, and in the truck series of Pocono, actually here's how I watch this. Like I said, I was driving up to Chicago. I'm driving up to Chicago and I put this race on from the radio and I'm just kind of listening to it, listening to it as best I can. So I'm able to listen to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the truck race was, was, it didn't seem like it was a bad race. It seemed like it was pretty interesting. Uh, like I said, I didn't really get a chance to see it. I listened to it, <laughs> but from what I was able to hear, I don't know if this is because NASCAR on the radio is more exciting sometimes than NASCAR on TV. Especially Vince Welch is way worse. I w- I would I don't know why I haven't just listened to the radio. Uh, instead, of, instead of the FS1 feed. There's man, people who
1: do that, who will turn the race on to television, hit mute, and listen to the radio. I broad.
0: did that when Paul Page came back to IMS Radio in 2014, and I felt really bad about it because I was doing it over Alan Bestwick.
1: Oh, boy. And I still feel bad about it. I didn't
0: sleep it. at night. Uh, I didn't. Re- well, okay, look, it, it, it's Paul Page. I had to hear, and I only did it for St. Petersburg. I only did it for St. Petersburg. I didn't do it for the other ABC races. Okay. I only did it for St. Petersburg. Um, so I, I just wanted to see what it was like. I only did it for St. Petersburg. And I didn't do it ever again. But uh when I was listening it, when I was in the car listening to it on the radio, I was excited because I was like, oh man, I'm going somewhere while there's a race on. Oh, I gotta put on 1070, listen to Paul Page. Um, that was cool. But uh yeah, no. Um John Hunter Nemechek ended up winning the race of Pocono yeah, he did. Uh, in the truck series. Um and then uh we should we how should we do this? Do you want to move on to SRX next? Cuz well, was I just
1: wanted to say you, to that, you know the, the the truck race was was pretty good. I was wa- I had to rush watching the the end because I had to get ready for work and like basically when John Earnhardt took the checkered flag I picked my keys and left. Um, that's yeah. kind of how this this race timed out for me on Saturday. So I didn't be able, I didn't get to watch the 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 first cup race. I know how it ended, but I didn't get to watch that race. Um you know, again, I just I'm not a fan of trucks at Pocono. Um, it wasn't all. However, I will say this: as is a theme in 2021. Okay, it actually was probably a better race than it should have been,
0: which yeah. is good for Pocono. Okay, which is good for Pocono. No, Pocono um, had great races this weekend. I, I think I think almost every race at Pocono was was a really good one, and yeah. I was on my feet. I was on the edge of my seat in almost every single race, watching yep. almost every race. I mean, yeah. Uh, John Undernemechek kind of just ran away with the truck race, but that does it didn't mean that there wasn't good racing in the back of the field. Uh, It sounded like there was a lot of really hard racing in the back of the field. The Trucks at Pocono, I understand it's a mixed opinion, but when they first announced it, I liked it a lot more than Xfinity at Pocono. I felt like Pocono was a place where they it 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 was you know there's certain tracks that the trucks don't go to, and then there's certain tracks that Xfinity doesn't go to, and I felt like you know it was fine bringing trucks there because. They had lower horsepower, uh, much lower horsepower, at least back then, back when they first came. Um, And so they were almost full throttle around there, which was really fun to watch, uh, especially through the tunnel tunnel. turn. That was really interesting to see that. So I really didn't I didn't hate that. Um, But I think Xfinity has kind of diluted it because I felt like, you know, Xfinity should be somewhere else. On, Xfinity, well again,
1: I think it's just one of those deals where rob I, I i can I can blame nostalgia for this. I just wish Nazareth was still around because the Xfinity Series and trucks should be going to Nazareth and not Pocono in my in my mind, and I think that just is that two thousand early 2000s mindset, but you know for this race it was it was it was good i mean i I really was disappointed when Zane Smith's team was penalized um Coming to the end of stage two, he is second, Sheldon Creed is first. They both pit, coming to two to go, and as we know in the rules of NASCAR, all right, pit road closes with two to go. Well, he was six car lengths off the line when, I forget who the leader, to, who, who 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 won stage two, uh, John Heroniemczyk, so it must have been John Heroniemczyk who took the lead there. Cross finish line, pit road closest. Sheldon Creed made it fine, but Zane Smith didn't. He drove his way back up to eighth into eighth place finish. I kind of was, I felt Zane Smith had a really good truck, and again, it kind of goes back to well, I think uh, last week we talked about uh, the GMS trucks are just uh, Creed and, and Zane Smith are kind of hitting their marks a little bit better now, and I think they're going to be a threat for John Hunter Nemechek going forward. Um, you, then you saw at the beginning of the race, there was a crash on the first lap, um, that Johnny Sauter got some damage and now he's, he's, he's in a pretty big hole. Uh, oh, Sauter is almost,
0: it, Sauter is pretty much screwed this. I, I think he's
1: got, he's got a win. Sauter is 12th in points. He has 283 points. Carson Josevar is 10th. Um, and has, well, Excuse me. Grant Infinger's eighth in points, but he's 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 not eligible, so that makes Chandler Smith the tenth place driver. He has three four three hundred and fourteen points. Johnny Sauter has two hundred and eighty three. He's thirty one back, two races to go, Knoxville and Watkins Glen. I mean, Johnny Sauter, what are you better at? Dirt or road course racing, and you need to concentrate your kind of your efforts on the on one of those two races. And for me, I'm The good news is you got a month between Knoxville and, in and, and Watkins Glen. So that the good news is for the trucks is that like, okay, crap, we screwed up Knoxville. Let's, I got a month of simulator time. Let's do it. You know? Um, but, um, yeah, I, 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 to kind of put a pin in this one, not the, not the worst race in the world. Oh, and Josh Berry got 11th place for, for Rackley W.A.R. Again, hey, that team, Josh Berry, showcasing his talents, as we will see once again in the Xfinity series. He showcases his talents there once again. The, the kid, he's not even a kid. I think he's, I think he might be 30 or 29, something like that. How, how old is uh, Josh Berry? I'm clicking on Josh Berry right now on Racing Ref. I
0: don't think he's a kid. He's definitely b- older he, than both of us.
1: He, he will turn 31 in October. So, yeah, I yeah, yeah, he's not. He, I knew. I knew he wasn't a kid. But uh, yeah, he's just yeah, rookie, <laughs> he's a rookie. So you know, y'all my associate kid there. Uh, the kid, the guy could be fifty five and in rookie season, I call him a kid. Um, sorry, that's like that's like. Well, look, at
0: Jimmy Johnson is a rookie in IndyCar.
1: That, that kid in the forty eight Carvana Honda. All right. <laughs> um. So yeah. Again, good race, good result for Derek Krause after the disappointing last week too. So it was a good race. Go if you well, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch it. One thing I will say here. Rob, I remember talking about this last year, around this Pocono time frame. I would really like to see the trucks in ARCA. Okay, in Pocono, I know you just had five good races there, and good for Pocono. Heck of a crowd all weekend long for these races. Wonderful crowd. I would like to see the trucks in the ARCA Menard Series run the road course at Pocono. A little more variety, okay? I know, but I think it, I think that could bring something. I know I'm crazy, but you know, think about what the Indianapolis weekend was last year. You had IndyCar and the Xfinity Series on the road course, Cup on the oval. You were supposed to have the BC 39 before that, early in the week. Heck of a variety. I mean, that that I know I'm crazy, Rob. I know I'm crazy for suggestions. I'm not that. saying
0: you're crazy. Look, you're not crazy. I don't think you're crazy. It's it's a legitimate consideration, I know, but the thing is, I don't know what Pocono's road course is like. The road right is not the road course is not ready for for for. No, I was gonna say. I ready. mean, you're gonna you're asking Pocono to do a lot of sink yeah. a lot of extra money into this, hoping that it's gonna. What what is the payoff? I mean, are you gonna get? Are more people gonna show up to watch truck and and Arca run in the road course? I mean.
1: I think you. I think. I think if I'm Pocono, and if I'm going to consider this, I need to. I need to look at. Okay, how was the? How was the? How was the race received at Circuit of the Americas? How was the race received at Watkins Glen? How has most sport been received in the past? Do you think that you can get the same deal on a road course there? the good The good news is, or not the good news is, but um, I looked at a track map, and I'm going to pull it up here. Uh, on my phone, and I know I'm definitely going over what I said I was going to do. Um, the only true, real road course section in the infield would be basically cutting off the short shoe down to pit road entrance, going through this. So if you go to RacingCircuits.com, you can actually see the different track layouts, and I felt like this one would be a good one. There's a chicane on the Long Pond Straight off the exit of what is Oval Turn 1, Okay um that would obviously slow cars down but i i know that would again you're asking them to do an improvement project all right but i think it I, you know I, I, variety and i just think that I, again i think it lot this just stems from i just don't think arc is putting on a good show there arc hasn't put a good show on at pocono in years all right when there's two cars on the lead lap and everyone else is two laps behind that's a horrible race um i think their stage breaks up that they have has helped that but um and then truck traditionally to me just has not put on a good race but this year okay 21 21, whether it's indycar whether it's nascar whether it's formula one tracks that aren't supposed to put on good racing in the current environment (laughs) have put on good racing so all right i'm gonna move on rob let's go on to uh srx
0: yeah srx was fun i got to uh, list tried to listen to that as best i could (laughs) driving home from chicago um Got caught in a rainstorm up uh w- White County. Right when I hit White yeah. County, there yeah. was a thunderstorm watch right for it.
1: That's a great place sense. to get in a thunderstorm warning. I remember on a field trip back from Chicago, it was around that Rensselaer area that yep. we had to pull off the road and in and, and, and like not shelter like shelter in place basically because of tornadoes in the area. It's that's a that's, a, that's why there's windmills up around that area. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was a really
0: crazy experience because once we got uh to Lafayette's city city limits, uh all the rain was gone. Yeah. Like the sun was and it, it was just right over Lafayette and but all of like all of that area, uh just nothing, nothing but rain and couldn't for most of my time anyway. I'm not gonna worry people, uh, but SRX weekend and uh, that was a really fun show. I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed that play. I had it on DVR, I ended up watching it before I went to bed. Um, it was yeah. it looked fun, it looked like it was a lot of fun out there for everybody, of course. You know Tony Stewart doesn't win at Eldora. I'm gonna really wonder: is does Tony Stewart still have it? You know, like if he doesn't whip the field at Eldora, uh, and boy, I gotta tell you, drivers are really mad at it. Be uh, fun. Drivers are getting mad at each other, he, and Paul Tracy is just the ultimate heel at this point. He's literally just doing things to make him say anything to like apologize for. He's just an unapologetic a- butthole, I guess is the best way to say it. I almost swore on. The pay, on the show i don't want to do the that. Series is designed
1: for the fans and the fans in mind and uh uh you know ray evanham tony stewart have created this great series for that but these character i think this is this is this is a great point that i don't know IndyCar is different but nascar Especially, they don't it's proven, You know, you have Michael Waltrip, the funny guy who is self deprecating as he also calls out people without saying their name, and it's fantastic. And then you have PT who is just taking everything like super serious. Tony Cannon and Ernie Francis Jr. Oh my going gosh, what's
0: that all about? I thought they were gonna,
1: gonna get had, out of the I had no idea what Michael Waltrip was upset hey. with Ernie. Francis. He hits me every time, I'm like, Michael, I don't remember a time Ernie Francis has hit you this serious, but. I'm pretty know. sure
0: Ernie's been in front of Michael most of these
1: races. I, I think for the, but he has raced some clean. I don't, I can't remember. I guess I'd have to go back and watch um, Stafford and then Knoxville to see um, what exactly, if actually they come together. Maybe I'm just not remembering the heats well. I don't know. But yeah, I agree. This race is fantastic. Um yeah. Three for SRX. And I just am so bummed that we're halfway through this thing. And
0: have you did you see that the ratings are very stable? Mm-hmm. Like they actually the, the the ratings for Eldora were higher than the ratings for the first two weeks.
1: Yes. I mean, and that's good. It's growing. It's it's got it's got comparative numbers to the uh I know it's got more higher numbers than the truck. I think it's kinda got comparative numbers to IndyCar maybe.
0: Yeah. No, uh, higher than said. IndyCar. It's actually higher, higher than, than IndyCar. IndyCar. It's much that It is probably... actually closer to truck and Xfinity style ratings. Yeah, yeah, and but and it's really
1: close to Formula One. So look, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's,
0: it's F one ratings are going up a lot. Yeah, and I will
1: say this too. I like how the broadcast something has changed every week. They have improved mm-hmm. the presentation every week. I really wish they would have a pylon instead of no, the no. I know, Rob. But I hate pylons. I, you know, But one thing I will criticize CBS for, there was a point in that feature race where, I know we're supposed to talk about the race at the broadcast, but there's a point in the race where they went a number of laps without flipping it to the second half of the field. I'm like, I want to know what's going on back there because... I'm seeing one through six, and I'm seeing one through four on the screen. What's going on in the latter half of the field? Where is everyone going? You know, Are they racing? Are they close? That's, and they that's, didn't flip that's it. That's
0: fine if you're watching F1 or a fuel mileage race or NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever. That's fine. That's when pylon is fine. But pylon, look, look this is my big thing. The pylon takes up too much of the screen, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It Just you really, you really the think screen. the NBC
1: pylon takes up that much space?
0: It does. The I NBC pylon agree. is worse. The Fox pylon is awful. The, the only Fox one that does it right is F one. F one is the only one that does it right. See, I don't I know think why. NBC and Formula One are comparative. I Actually, think I hate right. supercars. Supercars has one of the worst pylons.
1: Well, I I pr- I pr- I personally prefer the pylon. It's definitely it's better than what it was a few years ago. I like the pylon. I think. And even then, you wouldn't need to have it all the way down the screen with only twelve drivers in in the race. So I think that would be uh, an advantage. Or you could make it skinnier and in in have you know the uh, the first positions take what would traditionally be the first and second position or something like that. I don't know, but I, I like it. But for the race itself, I thought it was good. I liked the bumping that was going on. There's multiple lanes. Um, that we really didn't see in Knoxville. Knoxville, you really had to set a guy up. Not uh, in or in uh, Eldora, you were able to move around, and I think that's what made the truck races so good at Eldora too. Someone
0: uh, please free Bill Elliott. Oh, I know. Bill please Elliott. free Bill Elliott. Free, free my buddy Bill Elliott, please. Well, are, we, are we talking about just his struggles, or is there something yeah, else? Yeah, just just there? like free him from his struggles. It's oh, it's, it's, a, it's a meme. I'm just trying to be funny. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, oh, it's a it's a meme. I must have missed this. But yeah, I think it's a, 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 a yeah. That's been a rough one to watch. Particularly this, like he's been a he's been a also has been run. You know, he just just has he hasn't had done. an
0: opportunity to do anything. No, like, he, it's, I, it's not. It's not even his fault. I don't think, Bill Elliott. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. He's obviously one of the older drivers. I mean, I don't know how many other drivers out there have kids that are cup champions and that are, you know, a month older than me. Yeah. M- a month younger than me, excuse me. I'm a month older than Chase Elliott. I don't think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go through the run in the order they are. No, I, I, mean, I mean, I don't think everyone. Michael Waltrip's daughter, Macy, is as old as Chase she's Elliott. A, she's yeah. William Byron's age. She's William Byron. Oh, age. she's, she shoes. I didn't know that. No, I thought yeah, she they, was like still in high school or something. I don't know. No, she, she's William Byron's age. Jeez, um, I'm old. Yeah,
1: I know we're old, man. But yeah, a good race. I enjoyed it. Uh, good, good format. I like the, they kind of got the timing wrong on one of the heats, but I couldn't tell if that was the, the, the broadcast issue or officiating issue. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, look, I can't wait to IRP. This week, uh, you know, back to pavement, see what these guys can do. And these cars, um, with the central, you know, balance of them, you know, it's gonna be fun to watch.
0: If my boss is nice to me, he'll give me another Saturday. He'll let me take another Saturday off to go see. Why your boss give you credentials to go cover it? Uh, that, well, you know, I prefer that, but if did I can, I'd like to at least be able to see it. Did you ask? No, of course I haven't asked. I went you to, I, I asked him if I could go to Chicago. I I I okay.
1: But you can get asked like kind of how credentials to cover this race?
0: I, don't, I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. Oh, all right. I should all have right. probably. Okay, let's go to Formula 1 uh cuz we had uh, the Styrian Grand Prix before the Austrian Grand Prix, which is mm-hmm. interesting. I kind of figured Austrian would be before Styrian, but Yeah. I digress cuz that's how it was last year, wasn't it? Well, I don't think they wanted to
1: open up the year with an uh with a one-off race. And so um, they opened it well, with, and it's not uh, a one-off race now it's, it's not well it wasn't supposed to it was supposed to be a one-off race we were supposed to be going wherever the heck we were supposed to be going and and i forget what happened I, there's so many schedule changes this year i can't remember what where we were supposed to go um but yeah i i just think they wanted to do the steering first and ending that uh the red bull ring was going to be austria but let's talk about the steering
0: yeah it was you know i had a lot of fun watching this race you know one. i got up uh I got up early enough to be able to watch it, which was nice because, like I said, I drove six hours round trip from uh, Greenwood, Indiana to Chicago, which was awful. Believe me, it was awful. I got to see three three innings of a baseball game that I was supposed to see nine innings of, whatever. Um, but I was able to wake up in time to see uh, Max Verstappen take this win. Um, and ho- holy cow, I got to tell you something. This race was... It just, it just didn't, it didn't know what to do. It was like it pulled at your heartstrings, and then it had a semi-rewarding payoff because it wasn't a Hamilton victory, I guess. Um, I mean, I if you're a Hamilton van, I, I just assume that you're just depressed after this race. Uh- <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would say that if you're but- a Mercedes supporter, you're probably sitting there thinking, like, what has happened? How has this happened? How have we let this happen? Because, um, good gracious, Botas, man. I I don't even know what to say at this point. I mean, it just seems like he's off his game this year. Um well, I don't want to say he's off his game, but it, you know, I think he he's been better. He I he's had better performances. He's had race-winning performances that it just surprised me that he's not on the level that I think he was last year. And I don't know if that's because Red Bull is is so much better or because Perez is so much better or just a combination of all three. I think we're seeing the real Botas. I think
1: we saw where the car last year masked some of his faults, and and now he's frustrated. I think we, I think we see he's. I don't want to call a driver sensitive because they all got to be competitors, but I think he's a little. He's not sensitive. He's, he's a little. Botas,
0: the the from what I understand, he you know he's trying to be uh, like thick skin, Kimi and I don't care, you know.
1: I, I think we're I think we're just seeing the 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 real botos this year. That all right, he's got competition. Um, we're seeing Mercedes as in, you know, for the past however since twenty fourteen we've seen a Mercedes that has been the dominant car. They haven't really had a competition where or a year we're like okay, we're not going to win every race. We accept that. All right? Ferrari's going to crack off a couple wins. Red Bull's going to crack off a couple wins. But at the end of the year, we're going to march into the season finale race, having already wrapped up the Constructors' Championship, already wrapped up the Drivers' Championship. And you know what? Hamilton's probably going to have wrapped it up a few weeks prior. Right? But this year, they've had to kind of put the concentration on Hamilton because, really, think about it. Do you want Hamilton to win the drivers championship and get their his eighth championship in a Mercedes? Or do you want Botas to get his first championship? You're good. There's always favorites. There's always favorites. I'm sorry. Where we don't have a number two driver. We don't
0: have a number one bullcrap. Bullcrap. Okay? Botas clearly becoming bull crap now. It I is mean c- it prior prior to then, you could have made the I think it was very obvious and hard to argue one way or the other. You know, you had good points were made on either side. This yep. year though, it's like, okay, come on, dude. You're not fooling anybody. We know who's number one. We know who's number two here. If mm-hmm. if if these guys were both equal, then you last week you wouldn't have swapped cars.
1: Correct. Correct. Absolutely correct. So yeah, I think Botas is frustrated that he is now officially like, well what I've been told is a lie, or he has ignored the truth since he arrived there in seventeen. Okay. Um, and he's now frustrated that Max Verstappen who I'm sorry is more talented than you is beating you and your teammate. Okay, Rosado have- is
0: more talented than like
1: most of the grid. i that's my yes yes. He, but he's now I don't I think he's kind of been in denial about it, and now he's got Sergio Perez, this guy who has been not great up until last year for you know the most of his career. All right. Not, not necessarily. He's not a great okay. driver, but he hasn't had the best results. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: He hasn't had the best results primarily because he's been held back by his That's loyalty it. to force India ever since right. he left McLaren and McLaren kind of gave him a, a screw job, basically okay. took him on way too soon mm-hmm. and expected way too much of him when he was way too young. Yeah. You know, he had just come off. He, he was literally driving for Sauber the year before. And then he just gets moved up to Mercedes like it's no big deal, or, or excuse me, McLaren like it's no big deal to replace Lewis Hamilton. And he's expected to perform next to Jensen Button. It's like it was never gonna happen. He was way too young. He was way way too inexperienced, but he had all this time to go to Force India and uh, and racing point and, and 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 whatnot and basically be able to build his career back up from that and learn. Being in a really good midfield car and be able to compete for podiums, I mean he was in contention for podiums. You could argue Perez was going to score points or get a podium almost every week if he didn't crash and yeah. and it didn't matter, you know, I, yeah, I, okay, I probably Mercedes was going to sweep the podium plus for stopping a new Red Bull. but if something happened to either of those, it was always Perez that was like, yeah. okay, here comes his chance.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what Botas I think this Botas has been has been protected by Mercedes dominance. All right? And maybe the community has as well. I just think I think he's flustered. I just think he's flustered and he's and he's kind of I think he knows he's not coming back next year. He knows he's not. So he's kind of rebelling. He's flustered and he's rebelling. I think that's a that's a dangerous combination for a race car driver um in his uh performance. His or her performance. So, uh, you know, Mercedes has got to figure out a way to to, to, to crack off finishes, like to at least get Bottas in third if they're going to have a shot at this Constructors' Championship, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think it's going to be a, a, a down-to-the-wire at the very least between uh Red Bull and Mercedes in the constructors championship. To me that was a, that was a very intriguing part of this race and and if Sergio had one more lap, he's third place not Bottas. That 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 they and and another thing I wanted to say was dang it George Russell. I think he was going to score a point. I think he was going oh, to grab 10, Oh, he was. 10. I I that that's heartbreaking. I mean, I can't I actually thought about this other race. Which one was more heartbreaking? And I know I'm crazy for thinking this. Is this more heartbreaking, or was by rain last year more heartbreaking? Um, in this, in 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 the uh,
0: secure Grand Prix, I when, think this one was a little bit more heartbreaking because it was done. In so a, it too. was almost done in a Williams.
1: Yes, and I and I and I feel that way myself. So I'm glad you think the same on that one. <laughs> thinking I'm saying here crazy, um, because I think I think he knows. I think we. I think that what will be the worst kept secret is that he's going to Mercedes next year, and that
0: he's Williams' best shot to get a point. If he doesn't go to Mercedes next year, at this point, okay, look, this Perez, doing as well as he is, should be a wake up call to Mercedes and say, "Hey, we can no longer just have one. We can no longer rely on Lewis to carry this team." We have to do what Red Bull is doing and get two drivers that are much closer in a skill and ability. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is no disrespect to Sergio because, I, I, like I said, I sing his praises every single time I can, but he's not on the same level of mask Verstappen. Nobody is. Verstappen is on a level of his own. I would would put him on a different level than Hamilton as well. He's just in a completely different level. Where that level stacks up is based exclusively up to preference and opinion. Yeah. But I would put Hamilton on a different level than Verstappen and Verstappen on a different level than Hamilton. But that doesn't mean that they're not still close together. And right. the same goes right. for Perez and Verstappen. Just because they're on different levels doesn't mean that they're not still close to sk- in, together in skill level. Perez is a much better teammate. It's probably the best teammate that Verstappen could ever have because I think you're looking at a situation okay. where when has Verstappen ever had a... a a teammate that's been older than him. I mean, outside... Okay, excuse me. Ricardo was older. Excuse me. I I, I take that back. When has he ever had a veteran like Perez? I mean, Perez has been in F1 longer than Ricardo. So I'd say that. And when has he had that kind of veteran leadership? You know, because I don't think... When he was with Ricardo, when Ricardo was there, I don't really know how much they talked. I don't really know... How
1: I don't think they got along.
0: It's That's possible. And that could be why Danny Rick split. You know, I don't know. Uh, but the way it seems right now, it looks like Perez and Verstappen are gelling well as teammates. And I don't think Perez is, you know, jealous of Verstappen. I think he's just happy to be in a car that can win. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think the fact that Perez has a win this year is probably all he needs. You know, if he can get a win... Get third in the in the driver standings, win the constructors' title for Red Bull. I mean, he should take that to the bank and say, "Hey, I'm a good F1 driver. I've accomplished something, and he can do it again next year, and whatever you know. And it could be an even better fight next year because if what we're saying is true, and w- what we're assuming, I guess, is true, is that George Russell will take over as uh, Lewis Hamilton's teammate next year. Then I think you could be having one of the, the greatest championship battles in the constructors and drivers titles because it will be interesting to see uh russell and 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 perez kind of go head to head in in competitive cars equal cars almost whereas you've seen perez just be able to destroy botas in almost every facet of the of of the race so far this year
1: yeah absolutely absolutely i don't have anything else to add with to
0: to, uh to i don't uh, either f one there let's go I'm let's talking a lot because so I briefly, want to keep I, really I want to explain. keep this show relatively short today so I'm gonna move on to the Xfinity series here Austin cindrick won the race uh he had a really good really good run um Justin allgar looked really good uh and he actually got called up to the cup series race the next day because uh How the next later, the next couple later. yeah he he caught called up to the cup race later that afternoon because of a very uh, hard accident by Justin Haley scared the crap out of me I going to tell you, man. I yeah. I, uh,
1: I wanted to say so this is the only thing I really had to say about this race. Um, mm-hmm. I, a good race, you know. As I said with the truck race, you know, I think all oh, the races were good. Um, I think it's time for Pocono to reevaluate. <laughs> Here I pick it on Pocono track game. Pocono, I love you. I love your track. Um, you know, I think uh, one other thing I'll, I'll praise you Pocono too. If you liked what you saw at Pocono, you like Indianapolis Oval. You can't have it both. You can't have it one way or the other. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I think it's time for I'm glad you agree. I knew you would agree. I think it's time for Pocono to reevaluate how close the inside barriers are on the short chute in the and the backstretch, um, because back in the day, yes, it was worse. You had grass, long skid to an Armco barrier. That's <laughs> not no one wants that. But you could back the you could back the barriers up further and still have pavement and have more time for cars who are spinning to scrub off speed. And those safer barriers bounced him back into the, into the traffic. That's a big, that's a big red flag there to me. I was, I was like, Ooh, this is what I've been fearing would happen. We really haven't seen this happen. Our car hit at such an angle that it would bounce out. Um, And uh, I mean, we're very lucky that more cars weren't involved, Justin Haley didn't get tossed around like a pinball in a, in a machine. Um, so we're very lucky that he just kind of really had the wind knocked out of him seemingly. Um, I think he, he posted something that he was feeling good. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's time they need to move those barriers back. Um, I don't know how I, I would have to, I'm not really good at, you know, the whole measurement thing, but they could, even if they back it up halfway to where sort of the campers are, now or where it used to be it would be better so i i just that worries me uh it's the same thing i the same issue i have like ta- talladegan at these tracks that have the walls that jaunt out towards the racing surface that's a bad that's a bad idea um you know those are things that i feel like are cheap corrections but are
0: easy corrections for driver safety
1: all right that's all i got
0: for that i mean it's that sounds fine we can uh move on here into the cup race uh race one Like I said, I had actually had more time to watch this while I was waiting for the rain delay at guaranteed rate, stupid name, field. Um, It's Kaminsky Park, screw it. It's Kaminsky. So I had plenty of time to watch this race, just sitting there on my phone, watching the rains delay the game, waiting for the inevitable when it got called, and just like, all right, now I have to drive three hours back and I barely got to see the ball game. Believe me, guys, I got to tell you this. I'm 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 kicking myself now. This, this sucks. I'm trying to laugh about it as best I can, but man, it sucks. I I Mariners. I, I look. I live in the Midwest. The Mariners play out west. I never get to see them. So this is the only time they're gonna come this side of the Mississippi. Really? Uh, well, I think they probably have other East Coast games, but like in the Midwest, it's like the only games that I could get to yeah, realistically. Detroit. Yeah, Cleveland and
1: Detroit are really only close to other options.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to either of those places. Cause do you want to go to Cleveland or Detroit? I mean, I didn't even want to go to Chicago. I, I wouldn't want
1: to. I mean, yeah, that side of Chicago. No, um, I wouldn't want to go to. I said Three
0: times because people wouldn't get me, let me in. You what? I, I missed my exit three times because chicago drivers refuse to let well
1: first off chicago is the is the poster child of they need another dang interstate on around the west side to divert traffic but um we won't the interstate
0: has i didn't realize this. there's a there's a the tram system goes through the interstate
1: yeah you didn't know that
0: i did not know that i I, i've only been to chicago once prior to
1: okay yeah. yeah they have that but yeah i mean you just they need to build another interstate around the west side to divert traffic who are going towards Des Moines and up north, to, so they can bypass downtown. It's that that's a totally different subject, but yeah, that that's why you missed your you didn't miss you missed your traffic because you're rude drivers and that you're just too darn congested. Yeah, but yeah, I, I can agree. Understand the frustration. My dad hates driving through Chicago on his way to Iowa. He it, it
0: it's that. something that personally I don't know that I want to do again. I really hope that. We can get an interleague matchup next year against the Reds instead of having to play yeah. the White Sox. Oh my gosh! Great American Ballpark is so easy to get to. Oh, I love. Oh, so uh, no, dude, I've through. seen Reds games since I was a kid. I would, I, I would, hundred ten percent prefer to see uh, the Mariners play the Reds. At least I could get some Skyliners there. Uh, you know, you know the hot. You know, I expect better. I expect better of. Oh, I, you're, you're, you're disgust. I was. Skyline I, Chili
1: is abs. I'm sorry, Skyline Chili. I I just don't like it. No, you're
0: breaking my heart. You're breaking my heart. I
1: know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're breaking
0: my heart. You know that, right? You're breaking my.
1: Don't heart. go. I won't go go breaking your heart anymore.
0: I'm okay, because because I, I was be gonna honest. say at least I get a decent decent food there at Great America Ballpark because you know I uh, I went to uh, the concession stand. So first of all at at this place, and I know I'm getting way off topic, and I'm sorry, but first of all at this place, uh a single beef hot dog with absolutely nothing on it $8 is 650 650 Oh, um a slice of pizza is $7 count. uh guess how much water a bottle of water was 5 more more i paid the same it's... amount for water as i did for that that hot dog with nothing on it man we need we need more owners like arthur blunk it, it was, at it was awful. Oh oh oh! Don't even get me started on beer. Oh, I
1: I I have um, never bought a beer at a professional game because I refuse to pay that much money for one.
0: I don't blame I you. Do I don't blame at you. Least, I, at
1: least in my current salary, I won't do it. If you if I make more money, yeah, sure. But I'll I'll stick to water and Powerade or Gatorade or whatever the heck contract the team has. I won't. I won't buy
0: alcohol there. I don't blame you because it was Budweiser was like eleven $1, seventy five. Oh gosh! And this I is Budweiser. This isn't even like good. Be- this is this is just, just Budweiser. And I'm pretty sure they came out of the same tap as Bud Light. Um, uh, and then Modelo, which was the quote unquote import beer, was fourteen. <laughs>
1: Okay. All right. Before we discuss ourselves anymore with the prices of
0: concession stand food, let's go talk about that. All game. right. So this this race at Fene- Pocono, and this race of Pocono was crazy because, I, like I said, I'm sitting here in the rain in, in the middle of a ball f- middle of ball field, and uh, I'm watching this race, and I'm pretty much assuming I'm like, all right, Kyle Larson has this race in the bag. So I'm checking in like all the time, checking in, you know. To to see what strategies going on, right? I'm trying to see right. what strategies are going on. I'm I'm browsing Twitter and stuff because YouTube TV still doesn't have picture in picture, which is stupid. Because on most other iPhones, you can get picture in picture, so you can watch. I want to be able to watch the race, and browse Twitter at the same time while I'm on while I'm out and about. Whatever, right. can't do that because YouTube TV doesn't have picture in picture for whatever reason on iPhones. I'm pretty sure it, it, they have it on Androids but I don't think I have it on iPhones yet
1: uh, I know certain things do certain things don't
0: yeah um so I'm sitting here watching this and i I can't believe my because this is like the the best thing that happens to me is a great race while I'm waiting for a, a rain out at a ball ball game I'm, I'm I'm happy to be able to watch a good race um and it was it did seem like it was a very good race the first Pocono race um Alex Bowman looked great all day and it looked like it was more or less going to come down to those two Uh, and I thought Bowman had it for a long time then Larson got by him Uh, and then going into the last corner I'm sitting here I'm just watching this I'm like all right, well Larson's got this one might as well check Twitter and just before I'm about to like close out of the app and go check Twitter uh, to see the status of the game I see the tire smoke come out of Larson's car I'm like oh I, sh- I probably better keep watching this. And sure enough, he shoots right up into the outside wall. And Bowman goes right on by him. And I didn't really know. I wasn't paying attention to how far back Bowman was. So initially, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, he hit the wall. What? This is J.R. Hildebrand. What the heck going on here? Like, he hit the wall in the last turn in the last lap. This This is unheard of. How far back is Bowman? Oh, there he goes. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, very, very quickly, like on the scene and past him. I know Alex Bowman is no longer the showman, he's the clothesman. That makes dude, no that makes no grammatical sense, but I'm calling him the clothesman Bowman, the
0: clothesman because dude, Bowman is leader. having a breakout season this year. He uh, took I, he takes over the 48, and the next thing you know, he's like, Where was this 48? Well, this Cliff,
1: him and Cliff, um, uh, Daniels, yeah, him and Cliff Daniels, right? Yeah, the, yeah, um, I think
0: that's right. Is it? I think this was Q-Tree.
1: Yeah, they are clicking. They are clicking. Um, I, I go double, I'm not confident in why I'm saying and what I'm saying anymore. I don't know why I'm clicking on it right now to confirm that because I feel like I'm getting that wrong. Um, but um, yeah, I, I uh, Hendrick right now is just on fire. They really probably should have had that race on Sunday. Uh, Greg Eyes. He's with Greg Eyes. Cliff Daniels is Kyle Larson. Greg Ives and him are clicking really well right now. He's all he's had Cliff Ives, we or, or Greg Ives. We should have known that because um, he's had him with the '88. I don't him know why Greg we Ives, forgot about that.
0: Yeah, d- dude, we've I, had I, we both had long weekends, so if you don't know, yeah. I'm moving. So yeah. not only do I drive up to Chicago, I take time out of my moving schedule to go see this game that gets rained out. Yeah. But then I'm tired. I'm I've been tired for like past three days because all I've been doing is moving. No, not three days, past week. All I've been doing is moving. Josh, you were busy this weekend. You've been tired. We're tired. Just give us a break, okay? Give give us a break, guys, this week, please. So this is just a, yeah, thank you. Hope you gave us a break.
1: But yeah, this is a bit, not only is Kendrick just doing so well, but everyone, all four cars are performing. I know Chase is struggling a little bit. William Byron hasn't had the same spark as he did, like the first 10 races of the year. Um, but they're all still clicking. And, uh, let's also not forget the first year that Jimmy Johnson was in the 48 back in 2002. I feel old. He won three races, um, that year as well. Uh, but,
0: uh, we'll yeah, so, yeah Chad, I, know, feel like so I feel like Bowman's going
1: to win more than that. Oh, you think Bowman's going to win more? I think he'll win at least a fourth. I, I, I think, I, I just don't see, I, I, i I guess odds. you can't really
0: count him out at a place like Michigan.
1: No, I, I can't, um. And he runs well at Dover. Hendrick runs well at Dover. Well, they're no longer going to Dover twice. That's it. Um, Uh, That's right. uh, Richmond, I think he ran solid. He usually runs solid there. So, um, And then on, you know, not to kind of jump to Sunday, but I felt like...
0: No, we can jump to Sunday. I mean, we're making great time. We might as well just jump to Sunday. Because I kind of covered the majority of what that race was like. We could go ahead and jump to Sunday. Because I think Sunday is just as important to talk about as Saturday. Sunday was really... I did, like I said, I didn't get to watch
1: the Saturday race, but Sunday, very much a strategy race. Let's not talk about Kyle Busch's luck for one second, but William, I feel like William Byron had that race in control, and his team had the race in control. I don't understand why NBC was telling us, and I mean, it, they were right, the team is saying, push, push, push. Why are you saving from the word go on this run? Start saving fuel um, obviously
0: it's possible it would, they wanted to, to try some kind of, so some, th- this is the thing that's really difficult about strategy sometimes is when you, you make a decision and you have to stick with it, you need yeah. your driver to hit a number and whether or not that number is saving fuel or making a time Delta, it it can be a difficult thing. And I feel like they kind of missed on the strategy on the final run because asking William Byron to meet this time Delta, instead of asking him to save fuel is kind of to me, to me, when I say time Delta, I mean like that's go full throttle. You know, you're trying to, you're trying to make up time to the cars in front as fast as you can. And I feel like that was kind of, an indicator of a failed strategy to begin with because if that's what you're going with if you're telling your driver okay we need you to go fast like right now and we can't have you to we can't afford you to save right yet it's like dude you got to save early on in the run so you have it to ru- run at the end if you don't save it early on in the run what are you going to have at the end you know you can't you just go our- full throttle all, all the way through and then be like okay now i have to save well by the time you just start doing that you lose all the ground that you made up going full throttle So what's the point?
1: I think it would have been much better to... Again, this is... We're we're, we're Monday night quarterbacking this. But, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like, I'd rather save Fuel at the beginning, maybe try to stay ahead of Denny by a second and not try to yard him and then save later, like, as you alluded to, because that's what I was thinking all along. I'm like, they shouldn't be yarding the field right now. That's not the race that they need to be in. Um... And I think he came out. I think I'm remember if I'm remembering this right. He came out in like open space, and he, yeah, you can hit, you can have great, you can click off some great lap times, but you don't need to do that. Save fuel, save fuel. Um, and this is this. And, and we obviously saw the winning strategy was to have your gear stuck. Uh, you know, your your, your transmission stuck in fourth gear. Um, actually I actually mean,
0: think that that might have helped him helped him save fuel in the beginning of the stint too, because yeah, well, Kyle, without, well, probably he wasn't shifting like other people could have been most of the day. So I, I wouldn't surprise me if being stuck in fourth gear ended up working out better for him well, in is the that fuel saving re- mode.
1: Yeah, I was having to repair it. Um, that
0: actually, well, not, not just having to there, repair it, but then, and yeah, and but then, then, then also. Being in a high gear ba- is basically short shifting throughout the yeah. whole track. Yeah, but
1: but I don't I don't know how much of a, how, of that was helpful because there wasn't a lot of shifting. They're not Poc-
0: shifting at Pocono anymore.
1: They're not shifting at Pocono.
0: I hate this package.
1: Yeah, this package is to see. Yeah, it, it, at, at Pocono you should be shifting. Okay, that's like the one difference between Indianapolis and Pocono. When you go to Poc-
0: Pocono and you shift, that's how you go faster. That's yes. literally how you go faster you at Pocono. That's a fast that way around. Can. Is you shift down into third gear uh, at the on the basically at the beginning of the corner, shift down and then shift well, up yeah. midway through the back stretch or the long pond straightaway or wherever you are.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah okay. you're not
1: shifting anymore because there's too much drag. You shift down, you 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 lose too much momentum. But yeah, that's the one difference between Indianapolis and Pocono. Um, I just don't. I don't. Yeah, so there was no way for him to save fuel going that way. You were only way you were saving fuel was letting off the throttle or shutting off the engine. Um and and I mean we heard I heard uh a few times on the broadcast, like the twenty four goes by and like he's like I mean, he's like, Okay, his engine's off. Um it just I, I, I just feel like this race could have gone a lot better from that standpoint. I'm not saying that because I'm biased towards the 24 with being a Jeff Gordon fan for all those years, but I'm just saying that I think this was a missed opportunity for that 24 team that they could have capitalized better. And then, yeah, but again, the race, great, great strategy. You saw two on Sunday, you saw two great races as far as
0: strategy was concerned, because I felt like I was invested in Saturday's cup races. Strategy. I was very, very invested in that. And that, and especially when it came down to the final laps, it was like, all right, who saved the most? You yeah. know, this is the thing. Races like that, again, and this are, is I where know. it comes down. Races like that are exciting. Mm-hmm. Races like that are just as good as a four-wide finish at Talladega. Yes. You know, That's when good. you are going down, or like places, races at Michigan and, and Pocono and even Indianapolis in some cases where it comes down to straight-up fuel mileage. Yeah. And straight up to who's crew chief Gamble paid off, mm-hmm. who's didn't, and who's better at saving fuel. When you yeah. combine all of those factors into the final 10 laps, I don't think I can ask for better entertainment. I really don't. And,
1: no, I don't. I, I think if you, if you weren't entertained by Sunday's cup race, and even Sunday's Xfinity race based off the the strategy— I don't know what to tell you.
0: I just—I don't, don't think that's you're a racing fan. I think you are deluding yourself with being a racing fan. But that was racing. That was the team sport. That was the team aspect of racing. You're testing the the knowledge. You're testing the knowledge of the crew chief. You're testing the quickness and the speed of the pit crew. And you're testing the ability of the driver to do everything that he needs to do that they need to do in order to make it to the end and win the race. You're asking the driver to go slow while going fast. I can't understand how that is not an indicator for entertainment and just appreciating how much hard work and effort truly goes into this to, to, to every race team every week.
1: Yeah. One thing I did want to say, again, I feel like I'm saying this with everything here today. Um, I'm adding another point. I don't, one thing I just, I don't like about NASCAR in the Cup Series, because I don't think it's available in Xfinity and Truck. I might have that wrong. I don't like that if I'm William Byron's team, I can look at the SMT data of Denny Hamlin's in mid-race. I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't like that. I, I, old school. All right. Who's? I think Tab Boyd. Boyd is uh, William Byron's spotter. All right, man. The eleven is letting off at this point of the straightaway. He, this is what he's doing. You know, you gotta. I think that's so much. That's so much more fun because you don't. I'm like, hey, um, Jets over here. I'm the New York Jets. Can I see the Patriots playbook real quick? Can I just see what I think the next five plays are going to be? Thanks. I don't like that. Um, I don't mind if you could say like I'm can I can review what Chase did, I can review what Alex did, or any Chevrolet team did if you in, in the Chevrolet camp after the race, if you're willing to share it or your team, but I don't like that you're able to review it during the race. I just I think that that takes away from the um the engineering side, the engineering and the mathematician side of the pit box that like, okay, man, I think this is what we're, this is, this is what our numbers are telling us. You can look at your numbers all day long. All right. You can look at those numbers all day long. I don't care, but I don't think that's, it's, it's great that you can see what your competitors are doing or even your teammates are doing live race unless you have team orders to share that information, you know? But if I, Hendrix mm-hmm. should not be able to look at Gibbs or vice versa or in any other team combination. That's the last thing I had to say.
0: No, I agree with that, and I appreciate that. So let's move on to the weekend wrap-up here and then the outstanding performance because we are making a pretty good time, and I'd like to uh, keep that up here. So uh, Arkham Menard Series, uh, Corey Heim did end up winning that race, and uh, we did have the uh, W Series ran for the first time since 2019 this this past weekend. Now, this race was indeed on BN Sports Extra. I can confirm that. I watched that race this morning, uh, the morning before I left uh, for uh, Chicago, And uh, like I said, I, we were talking about it. Josh and I were talking about it before we uh, logged off last week, the W series. Uh, So being sports extra, you can, I guess, get it over the air on a bunch of low-powered UHF stations. So apparently Josh can see it on a low-powered UHF station in Charlotte if his antenna is even strong enough to get that channel. I cannot. Uh, my only option is to view it through Pluto TV, or I believe Sling has it as well. Uh, actually, the Sling I like because I could DVR stuff on Sling, so I was actually able to DVR it through Sling. Watched on Pluto, dvr it through Sling. Um, but yeah, uh, Alice Powell ended up winning that race in the W Series. It was a great race. W Series put on a good show, Uh very, very, very good show this week, this past weekend, um, and I enjoyed watching that. That was really the first time I'd been, I'd been able to see the W Series. Uh, it was interesting to me because it just seemed like a standard F three series to me, which it, which really it was kind of. Um, the cars are just F three cars, so I was like, okay, or they're Formula Regional cars, I guess. So I was like, okay, which are for F three cars. But still, yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway, I still thought it was a good race. No problems there. It was really good race. Really good to see uh, those women get that opportunity to kind of show what they could do in an F3 car um, and put on put on their best uh, shows. Because, you know, not many of them are probably going to get past that level, unfortunately, but it's great for them to be able to showcase uh, their talents when it's very likely that they might, not otherwise, get an opportunity um that's one of the things you know I was really critical on the w series when it first came out, but I think it's kind of grown on me because I've kind of realized the more i've understood the more I research and understand feeder series is the more I kind of say see this as being a good thing because this is kind of a series where sponsorship doesn't matter, it's based upon talent, and we're trying to find the best female drivers that we can. And since most of them probably aren't going to get to F1 with the budget, this is going to be the best way that they could showcase their talents because uh, they don't need a budget to run the W Series. You know, you don't need that. Kind of eliminate that barrier. You put everybody in equal cars and say, okay, here, this go compete against the best of the best, the best and show that you're the best female driver out there. Show that you deserve to move up. Um, and, you know, and I'm not saying this is like, It's You could say it's sexist, but I don't think it is because when you look at the fact that this is no different than any other regional Formula 4 or Formula 3 series, this is just simply giving people who wouldn't normally otherwise have an opportunity to get to those series an opportunity to get the experience that they need to potentially, for to hopefully further their racing career. I've kind of realized that now, where it's like, yeah, they could go to F4 and F3, but if they don't have the budget, they're not going to be able to show their talents or maybe even start all the races, run for a championship. This way, we take away all of those barriers that are preventing them, this these opportunities, and give these drivers, these, these talented female drivers, an opportunity to race each other and show who's the best of the best. So I really appreciated that, uh, the W Series. I know I said I wasn't going to go much longer, but I wanted to say that because I know that I had been critical of the W Series in the past, and many people have. But I just personally have understood its place and appreciate it. Like I said, I don't want to segregate the sport. I think that it's important that the sport is all-inclusive for whomever wants to drive in it. But knowing the difficulties that there's that a lot of drivers are going to have, I mean, I imagine a female Carter not being able to get to F4. I mean, that could be it. That could be it for them. And this could be the next, like Ayrton Senna, you know what I mean? They yeah. deserve an opportunity to 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 show their talents on an equal playing field, much like most men get to do. Pretty much every man gets to do uh, if they have the money or even if they don't anymore it, you, sometimes. So that's just my thought here. Um, let's move on to outstanding performance. Josh, go ahead and quickly give me your outstanding performance, and then we'll move on to upshift and downshift.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give mine The Bubba Wallace. Um, I'm in a 2311 racing. Yeah. Um, it's obviously came down to strategy that in, the, in the second race there at Pocono on Sunday, um, and and they got it right, the fuel strategy right. Um, I felt like the the interview post race interview was kind of odd. I'm like, dude, you just got top five, your first top five, first top ten of the year with his team with his team overall. But I like that he, I kind of appreciate that he wasn't overest over ecstatic over either. Um, but I feel like he could have, you know, there's a, certainly more credit. This team deserves a lot of credit for what they did, uh, that day. He did his job behind the wheel and his engineers, uh, on top of the pit box did their job. They got their and job, he did a pretty their good job
0: on uh, Saturday too, on the Saturday race as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a 14th place finish, I think yeah. that day. Um, so he, he had a great, great weekend at Pocono. Uh, it's the first place he got his first cup start was Pocono back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Um, you know, that was, it was a good day. Um, good, this. Good shot in the honor for this team. They broke the top 20 in points. Um, so they're now yeah. kind of on the TV points range there now. Um, I still think they're going to they're gonna need some really good runs here. Um, there's still a lot of races left in the Cup Series. Because um, this was race number this 19. So they got a few races left. But um, good, good, good showing for Bubba Wallace. Good to see him get that top five.
0: In top 10. Yeah, it was really good. My outstanding performance is going to go to Daniel Suarez. I know he finished 15th in the s- second race, but he had really great runs all weekend. I mean, that dude was in the top 10. If he wasn't in the top 10, he was fighting for a top 10 every single yeah. time. And again, you know, we, you, you talk about twenty three eleven, and I'm glad that you nominated Bubba Wallace because then I was able to talk about Daniel Suarez because when you look at both of these drivers... It's just amazing to see what they've been able to do with these single-car brand-new teams. I mean, these Trackhouse and 2311 are single-car brand-new teams that have, you know, they have a technical alliances, yeah, but they have almost no notes, nothing to work off of. Um, both of them, I believe, are working with entirely new crew chiefs as well. They chemistry, they don't have the chemistry. Yeah. I mean, well, we've we're seeing them build that chemistry. Daniel Suarez loves his current crew chief. I'm, I'm sure I know Boba Wallace would, has said good things about Mike Wheeler. Um, you know, so I think that this is just really good to see Suarez running up front. I mean, in a lot of cases, the way I, when I look at racing, it's, it's a lot where you finish, but it's also how you run. If you can run in the top 15, top 10 all day, and if you just have a bad pit stop at the end and finish, you know, 26th, That's going to look bad in the stat book, but what people are going to unfortunately forget is the fact that you are up front most of the day. Yeah. Uh, And and I think that that's an important fact when you look at racing statistics to keep in mind. And that's kind of why I like, this is going to sound controversial, but that's kind of why I like the NASCAR stages because you could kind of get a better feel for how well drivers are doing throughout the race by looking at their stage finishes. And just also look at the loop data too Mm. well stage finishes i think tell a better story sometimes Uh, um because it can kind of showcase when you average out the stage finishes and the and the uh race finish i think it can kind of show a better uh tell a better picture of just how well the driver did in the race you know if they finished fifth and like ninth in the first two stages but finished like 26th at the end then that kind of tells you oh they were really really fast but had a problem at the end you know and that's what i'm saying that's so that's why i really like what daniel suarez and Trackhouse is doing because they were having races like that i think the second race they just caught caught out on the bad strategy or the fuel mileage had a problem there but other than that it just looked really good uh they just looked really good and they have looked really good for the past couple weeks so i've wanted to nominate them i know i have nominated suarez for the outstanding performance given it to him Uh, The last several for at least a couple of times this this season so far. But he's had such a good season. We both have. We both. He he needs he he deserves it when when he deserves the credit where it's due. I agree. So uh, let's move on here to upshift and downshift, which is uh, again, you can play along. Use the hashtag Robin Roller. Reply to our tweets. Have fun. Tell us what you think. Again, upshift, we agree. Downshift, we disagree. We could throw it in a neutral if we just really don't know. We're presented with a series of hypothetical questions and or statements, and that is how we answer. So first question here, Ryan Newman should take a competitive ride in the Xfinity Series or Truck Series as opposed to a midfield ride in the Cup Series for 2022. Do you upshift or downshift, Josh?
1: I, I got to upshift on this. Um, I think if he wants to continue to race, I think it's time for it. For Ryan, uh, I I think he can still do it. All right, I think he can still do it and win races and win a championship. The problem is, I just don't think the opportunities are going to be there for him. Um, I think uh, it would be smart of a a, of a good Xfinity Series team or a good truck team to take a look at him. And I and I kind of pointed my finger at GMS Racing, where they have five full time trucks. I don't know what the plan is going to be next year with going Cup racing, but you know they have five full time trucks and you know, three of them are kind of also has-beens this year, unfortunately, and, uh, I think Ryan could bring something to that team, he's made every, he's made Roush better, he made RCR better, um, I think he, he certainly helped get Stuart Haas racing off the ground back, back in the day, um, so, yeah, I, I think I would upshift, go, go, go Xfinity or truck racing, win a few races, and, uh, you know, pull an Elliott Sadler towards the end of your career, I, I really hate to push him in that direction but I think that's his best option.
0: You know, I agree with everything you're saying, but ultimately I'm going to have to downshift because I just don't, I think Ryan Newman is above that. I think Ryan Newman is a Daytona 500. The fact of the matter is Newman is a Daytona 500 champion. He's a Brickyard 400 champion. He's won crown jewels. He's paid his dues. He's done everything. He deserves to go out on his own terms in the cup series. He doesn't, I don't think that Newman needs to be taking this retirement tour in the Xfinity series. When he's perfectly capable, I mean, Ryan Newman seems like the only guy in the garage area who is not bothered by the grind of NASCAR, of the NASCAR schedule. I mean, he seems like the, and, and I don't know if maybe that, you know, caused his marriage to fall apart or whatever. I don't know. But he seems like the only guy in the garage area that is not upset about the grind of the NASCAR schedule. It seems like he welcomes it with open arms. Like every, It seems like Newman could finish 24th, get out of the car, completely forget about it, and be ready to go the next race, you know, the next week. He, he, he just seems like that kind of guy. He has no reason to. I think if, if Keselowski walks, I think what Rouse should do personally is they should keep Newman on. Open up a third car for Keselowski because if he's got an ownership role into it, then that means that he's got to be pouring his own money into it. So I don't see any reason why they can't keep Newman for another year. I think that Newman and Keselowski would make for a really, really good team. You would have two veterans with Chris Busher, the kind of the young gun. I don't really think you could call Busher a veteran yet. I mean, he's been in Cup Series for a while now, but next team was his rookie year. And he is an Xfinity champion, so again, I would call him more of a young gun. Um, but I think that would be a better move is keeping, for, for Roush is keeping Ryan Newman uh, than getting rid of him. And I really don't think that Newman has any reason to take a step down into trucks or, or Xfinity unless that's something that he personally wants to do. If he feels like he could still run cup full-time and competitively, then there's no reason why Newman shouldn't be, shouldn't be doing that right now. Um, so good discussion there. Uh let us know what you think about that one. And we'll move on to the next one. Uh a chicane between turns one and three at Red Bull Ring would improve racing. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh? I'm gonna go quickly. I'm gonna say absolutely not. Uh I'm gonna downshift. That is ridiculous. I really think that the racing at the Red Bull Ring is great. I love the Red Bull Ring. It is a short track. Road course, and I appreciate that for it, but it is also fast and it is challenging. It has lots of elevation changes, and I don't think you need to gimmick it up with a uh, chicane for any reason. I think that it is fine just the way it is. I think it is a beautiful track, and I have no problems with it. So uh, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I felt it was going to be quick. So, Josh, you can go ahead and give yours now.
1: I won't go neutral on this one um, because I would kind of like to see how this would go in a simulator. Um, I think one of my biggest criticisms on Red Bull Ring is that you have three DRS zones right back to back to back. And I just, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not a huge fan but
0: of... Those DRS zones are followed by really tight passing zones. And, and I know, I know. I just don't... I just it makes
1: for great racing, I think. I, I And I think it has put on great racing. I just would like to see how it would look on a simulator, um, personally. Because when I wrote this question... Um, I still didn't know how I was going to answer it. I I thought I had it pop in my mind in the middle of the race, and I wrote it down. Um, so uh, and, and I feel like if F one wants to go the route of sort of a doubleheader weekend like this type of deal, I feel like alternate circuits are important, like we saw in Bahrain, and I think that's one of the criticisms I have of going to races. Austria, you race at the same track twice. All right. I know you talk about you know we go to NASCAR. Well, we used to go to Pocono twice, used to go to Dover twice, Michigan twice, we go to Richmond twice, Bristol Bristol twice. It's the same track. Well, it's not F1. F1 I feel like would could benefit where you have this alternate circuit. How could that look different? That would be my thing. So I, I'm neutral on it because I haven't seen it. I'm going neutral.
0: Fair. Okay. Um, next one here, uh, an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader at the same racetrack on the 4th of July weekend is a genius marketing idea for American Motorsports. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh?
1: I think it's a great idea but I'm gonna downshift. I think it's kinda cool to have, uh, multiple races on 4th of July weekend and not be at the same place. Um, I know, um, I, I like the idea of, of, uh, of, of NASCAR and IndyCar being at the same place on the same weekend, but I think it's just cool to kind of share the love on Fourth of July Independence Day weekend. I think Mid Ohio Road America, Watkins Glen, because IMS is going to be there again this weekend, are four great places to be celebrating uh, America's birthday. And and you know, while I think it looks good for TV, I just don't. I I, I hate to to do that to a, to a racetrack where all right, our two races with this series are on the uh, the same weekend. I don't think that's right.
0: You know, I'm going to upshift this one. I think that uh, I would love to see if NASCAR is, if NASCAR really does want to, I guess, kill the idea of the Firecracker 400.
1: It's It's not coming back.
0: (laughs) If they really just want to crush me like this and take away my favorite race of the whole year, um, because it was, I mean, I look forward to the 4th of July weekend because Daytona at night was my favorite race of the year. And, yeah. and it was, it, it was the ultimate midsummer. Event. I it was preferred it midsummer classic. Yeah. It was my favorite. It was, it was literally the event that I look forward to. It was like, you know, you have the Indy 500, you have the Daytona 500, you have all those big events, but then I always had the Pepsi 400 circled as well. Cause that was my favorite. That was a race that as a kid, I really wanted to stay up late and watch, you know, cause most of the time when NASCAR ran late, I fell asleep or, you know, I, I couldn't stay awake for all of it. But when it, when the Pepsi 400 roller rolled around, I was like, mom, I need to go to the store and get some caffeine. So I need to get some Mountain Dew. I need to get some Pepsi. I need something to keep me awake to watch this whole race. Cause I remember I fell asleep halfway through it in 2003 and I hated it. And so in 2004 and Oh five and, and, Subsequent years, I made it a goal to, you know, stay up to watch this race. And that race was an important race for me personally. And I understand that, you know, it's probably unfair for me to put personal feelings ahead of that, but whatever. So, but my point is, I think if NASCAR is going to go to Road America on the 4th of July, which believe me is a much better place to be on the 4th of July than Indianapolis, I'm much happier that they're going there. Instead of coming here this weekend, I prefer Indianapolis to have a more late summer, early fall date. Personally, yeah. I think that's a better date for it. Yeah. Um, so, but like I said, if this if this is what NASCAR is going to do, I really think that uh, it would behoove IndyCar to go ahead and race on Saturday. Um, I really don't see a major issue with that—an Xfinity race and an IndyCar race on the same day, and then the Cup race on Saturday on Sunday would be would be great, just like has happened at the Brickyard as well. But I think doing it at Road America would really capture and bring together fans um, of, of both series, and it would really capture a, a lot of what makes racing great and what makes Road America great. So, yeah, ultimately I have to upshift on that. I think that's that would be a great idea. I don't know if it will happen, but if it does happen, no better place to do it than Road America. All right, uh, final question here. Um, Austin Sendrick will be named the driver of the flagship number two Team Penske Ford for the 2022 season. Do you upshift or downshift this, Josh?
1: I have no reason to downshift it. I don't think Penske no, has any reason not. not to put him in the two. If if Keselowski isn't coming back, why would you – and, and Sindrick is bound for Team Penske in the Cup Series – Why would you not put him in the two? Why would you put him in the 21? Because, I mean, no offense to Matt Benedetto. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's ready for the two car. I don't think he's ready for Team Penske. And I think he's got a really good home at Wood Brothers. I think the Wood Brothers enjoy him there. I think the fans enjoy him in the 21 car. Um... I just wish he was running better. I think we all wish he was running better and had it, and had more shots at winning, but Team Penske has struggled a little bit this year at times and, you know, being a Team Penske car, you know, fourth car there. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. It's also, is going to be named the driver of the number two car. If he's not the driver of the number two car, I will eat crow again on this show, except
0: crow will be probably turkey again. Just as I well, did at Bristol. that's fair. Now, here, here's my thing. I think it's easy to upshift. There's really no other option for Penske yep. at this point. I think Cindric will do fine in the two. And what? I think the Wood brothers keeping Matty D is the best thing happened because they can build on all the success they're having uh, that they've had this year. They've had some bad luck, but they've also had a lot of success. You know, once they can get rid of the bad luck, I'm sure that there's just going to come more success for them as well. I really don't see any reason for this not working out. I mean, if, if Keselowski is gone, you got to move uh, Sindrick up cause he's ready and he'll do fine in the two and Matty D will just continue to do fine in the 21, and you'll have this nice little equilibrium and no problems. Yeah. Um, so that's that for upshift, downshift. Ro- Josh, I think uh, Rollers Featured Racetrack is going to be an interesting one this week. So I'm going to give you the floor here and go ahead and educate us on something very interesting. I'm curious about this. I've never heard about this before. I have no idea what I'm going to learn, but I'm excited for it. So, Josh, go ahead and I'm going to hand the keys over for you for Rollers Featured Racetrack. Alright, well thanks Rob.
1: Um so sunny beaches, Palisades Park, and a famous pier are just a few places that hallmark Santa Monica, California. We are all aware of California's auto racing heritage, especially in SoCal, but did you know an eight mile, three straight circuit once welcomed early pioneers of the American auto racing to the streets of Santa Monica. It's been over one hundred years since the streets of that town welcomed auto racers, but the uh, streets that made up the circuit still exist in the same exact layout as it did uh, when they uh, first started racing there. Ocean Avenue, right alongside the Ocean, conveniently named right now, uh, was the main straight, and the start-finish line was at Montana Avenue. Turn 1 was uh, at the corner of Ocean and Wilshire Boulevard. The circuit traveled northeast up Wilshire to the intersection where... Uh, Wilshire intersects the uh, with San Vicente Boulevard. Uh, if you were to uh, come to this intersection, if you turn left, as the racers did, you went on to San Vicente, but if you turn right, it's Federal Avenue today. So just, you know, kind of helping you paint the picture there. Uh, so the racers turned left and continued in a basically sweeping left turn as San Vicente went from northwest direction to the southwest. A slight kink, uh, left-hand kink in the vicinity of 26th Street, uh, with another left-hand kink at 14th Street, and finally, a right-hand kink at 8th Street kept, uh, San Vicente from being a true straight, but is considered basically just one straightaway, um, and then it intersected with Ocean Avenue, racers turned left, and the lap was completed, and they went for another eight miles, so compared to some courses today, uh, of the day, it was particularly shorter because some were twenty miles in length these these road these true road races um that weren't on closed circuits could 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 mount up to twenty four miles as some of them did like in Long Island because they had to get up to speed you know they had to get the cars climbing through the gears of the day um and this one was only just a little bit over eight miles in length um it's also important to note that when these races were taking place, especially in the early years, Santa Monica was only about 7,000 people and far less built up than what it is today. And it was somewhat of a resort town for Los Angeles residents and even served as a home for movie stars at the time because some of them couldn't afford the high prices of Hollywood in, in L.A. Could you Can you believe that? They couldn't afford the high prices of homes there. I know, absolutely. I was kind of blown away when I found that out, but that's the way it was. So, uh, Turn 1 Ocean turning onto Wilshire was known as Dead Man's Curve. Despite no one ever being killed at this corner. No one was ever uh, named uh was ever killed there. I think it was just newspapers trying to sell ad spots and and say, "Hey, come to the races and I don't know. I just it is funny. It is funny how <laughs> was all get out. No one ever no one ever died there. Um but one of the first racing entries actually did take place here. Um a car came in hot, missed the corner, struck a tree, and a guy fell out of the tree and broke his arm. So that was kind of an interesting little note there. It didn't die, but, you know, he he was hurt there. Um, one attempt to help cornering was to build a wooden uh, banked corner, but drivers rarely use this because when the races would start, it would might be in the early morning hours. Well, Wood is going to be wet, moisture, you know, especially there alongside the ocean. Well, what happens when you get on a wooden plank and you run? You slip? Well now trying to do that going you know, eighty miles an hour, breaking to eighty miles an hour, you're just gonna fly off. So they dismissed it and they went around and, and around the corner and they cut it. Um one of the reasons that this race took place or the reason the race took these races took place, because the dealerships wanted to showcase their automobiles, they came in and they graded and widened the roads, packed them in, sprayed them with oil, which provided Santa Monica with additional infrastructure. All right, they were able to say, "Hey, we got nice streets here. All right, come, 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 help us, you know, build build our town." So that was good for them. Santa Monica benefited just from that alone. The races helped them benefit. Um, so the the two races that were held uh, on July tenth, nineteen oh nine, were both AAA sanctioned events. The first was the ferris trophy race won by harris hanshue he won driving an apperson jackrabbit which i am proud to say were manufactured in my hometown of kokomo indiana so that when i found this out i was like whoa shocked i kind of had to take a take take a take a second there uh, a moment for myself so yeah he won in a apperson jackrabbit manufactured in kokomo indiana the 24 lap 202 a little over 202 mile race Took place in just over three hours eight and eight minutes to complete. The margin of victory was just about seven and a half minutes over Bruno Siebel. Uh, Ten of the 16 starters completed the race. The second race of the day was the Shetler Trophy race, also 24 laps, again just over 202 miles in length, but it only had nine starters, uh, six of which finished. Burt Dingley won in a Chalmers Detroit, but just over four minutes from second place Frank Seifert. Now, again, these races. Three hours long, 24 laps. These guys finished that close. I think that was, that's that's just crazy to me. It's kind of like how in 24 hours at Daytona, the first place guy only beats the second place guy by 30 seconds. That is absolutely crazy. That to me. Uh, in 1914, Eddie Pullen lost the right front wheel off his Mercer Motors vehicle and crashed in Dead Man's Curve. Again, no one died at Dead Man's Curve, so he he, he survived. That was uh, on the February 26th Vanderbilt Cup race. Two days later, on February 28th, in the American Grand Prize race, he won in the very same car. Won in the very same car. Repaired it. Two days later, he wins the race. Uh, Tragedy, however, did did strike in 1916. A huge crash occurred on San Vicente Avenue near the kinks of 14th and 8th Streets. When a car's uh, steering broke uh, the... uh, uh, the car jumped a curb. The vehicle was launched off the circuit. The car cut down several trees. The driver, a soda stand uh, woman, a cameraman, and a spectator were all killed. Uh, and uh, by the latter was killed by a detached radiator. The mechanic survived but was injured in the uh, in the incident. Um, this incident here was one of the nails in the coffin. Were real road racing, not only in Santa Monica but for the rest of the country. Cars were getting faster. The areas these races were taking place, especially in Santa Monica, were building up, and people, you know, were living alongside the the the, the 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 racing circuit. And those were coming to it who weren't accustomed to the speeds of these vehicles, and they were standing too close to the racing circuit. The average speed of the first race in 1909, including pit stops and cornering, just like today, was 64 and a half miles an hour. By 1916, that speed had upped to 87 miles per hour. So these cars are going faster. They're taking the corners faster. i um, not sure if pit stops are necessarily faster, but they are going faster in general. Um, so after 1916, the races kind of didn't happen, um, primarily because of World War I. Um And uh, they didn't take place in Santa Monica. Um, I, did, I don't have this written down here. They took uh, In 1915, because they took place in San Francisco. Uh, part of the Pan American Games, I believe. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, I might be wrong on that. Again, I didn't write it down. But there was one final race in 1919. This was a AAA sanctioned event. Uh, the track was shorter, however, uh, but it did follow the same basic layout as the previous races because Ocean Avenue had been built up in the previous three years. So the circuit turned left off of San Vicente Boulevard at 8th Street, which is now Lincoln Boulevard, and took that to Wilshire Boulevard and went north and uh, turned at, uh, again, San Vicente uh, on the north end. So the circuit was now 7.36 miles in length. The winner was millionaire sportsman Rick Cliff, Cliff Durant, who was the general manager of Chevrolet's Western Operations at the time. He raced a Chevrolet Special, completing the 34 laps in three hours, four minutes, and forty-five seconds, with an average speed of eighty-one point two seven miles per hour, um, the races on the Santa Monica Road uh, Road Race Course are credited by historian Harold Osmer for the city's independent survival. the The city of Los Angeles uh, Los Angeles swallowed up other surrounding towns, but Santa Monica never succumbed to annexation. The nationwide and regional attention, coupled with the revenue dollars brought in uh, from the races and then the dealerships paying for, you know, the the course's maintenance, basically, um, you know, help financial, uh, the city financially. So part of the reason if you're a resident of Santa Monica, you've been to Santa Monica, the reason you're not in Los Angeles is because of these races, this guy says, and I can't say I, I disagree. Uh, In total, 15 races were contested. Ralph De Palma was the only driver to repeat as a winner, claiming victory in the 1912 Jepsen Trophy race on May 4th, driving a Mercer, and again in the Vanderbilt Cup race held on February 26, 1914, driving a Mercedes. Uh, Harold Osmer, Racing Reference, the Los Angeles Times, provided information for today's featured racetrack. And a quick note, um, in the second of six videos dedicated to the Santa Monica Road Race course on Osmer's YouTube page Harold uh uh Herald, Harold H A R O L D Osmor O S M E R. Um, look it up. These are really good videos if you pay attention to me speaking to a group of people, but it's really good videos. Uh, about an hour of your time. Um but it's worth it. Uh he says that so- Southern California, uh the, the region has held more auto racing than any other place on earth with with an official tally of one hundred and seventy-four sanctioned racing venues. And I can believe it. <laughs> I can believe it when you when you when I when I look at when I, there's this one book I have that has all these racing circuits uh, listed in in the United States and Canada. You know, California is like I don't know how many pages of that. But I can kind of believe it because you know when I think of old LA, I think of automobiles, and it and it just to me it it, it spells that. So I can believe this. I kind of want to go down there and list them all off and, and count on myself. I believe this guy. Uh, I mean, I I just quote heard of him, but. Again, I, I, I other places I've seen this too. Uh, we are seeing the same information, so this guy's really good. L- go watch these videos, you'll learn something more than I could provide here in just a few minutes. Um, otherwise, I'd be here for about an hour talking about it, right? Um, so that was Rollers featured racetrack today. I've wanted to do this one actually for a while, but I've really never researched anything about it, uh, until this weekend, so um. I was proud to share this one. I love these old races. I love learning about these old AAA, you know, early IndyCar. And this is IndyCar predecessor tracks. And uh um Rob, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you listening uh, uh you know
0: in your home or in your car wherever you're at enjoyed it too. I absolutely enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh well, that's about it for the show today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh let's take a look here real quick before we go. What's in the windshield? Uh, it's Independence Day weekend here in the states, and for race fans, that is a stacked lineup on July 4th. So XRX will be at Lucas Oil Raceway in Indianapolis on Saturday, July 3rd. That'll be cool. Again, I'm going to try and see if I can go to that. Uh, no guarantees. Probably like won't be able to. Uh, Formula One stays in Spielberg this rate, this Sunday, uh, July 4th. The Austrian Grand Prix uh, will be contested uh, instead of W Series accompanying them. It will be F3 this year. This week, excuse me. Uh, IndyCar will be in Mid Ohio for the Honda Indy 200. And then NASCAR is in Road America um, uh, for the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series, Xfinity Series on July 3rd, uh, and then the Cup Series on July 4th. Uh, the Camping World Truck Series is off again until uh, Knoxville on Friday, July 9th. I Don't do have something ad here. The W Series is
1: still in Red, in Red Bull Ring. They'll be racing on the 3rd. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Okay, well then that's then the W Series is 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 back with Formula Three as well. Um, that, okay, cool. Stacked weekend of racing, sweet, awesome. Uh, that'll be uh, so Formula Three will be on ESPN Plus in the in the states. That's how you'll watch that. Uh, and it, the W Series will be free. Uh, free to air, I guess, if you live in one of those places and with that gets the BN Sports extra on your U UHF yeah. station. Uh, good luck picking it up. I assume. Um, but hey, or you can watch it on Pluto TV, or I believe it's also on Sling TV, uh, and you could probably watch it direct from the feed as well. As, as There's other places I'm sure you can watch it. Be in Sports Extra. Um, it's a digital only channel, and then for some reason I don't know, it's not the main big Be in Sports that like costs Zero like a idea, lot of money. Right. Why? Why ESPN is not covering this race on some? Sort I don't of know, man. I'm really up. upset that it's not on ESPN Plus. I wish it was. I wish W Series was on ESPN Plus instead. I'm sure it would have a lot more eyes on the product instead Absolutely. of being Sports Extra. Because I can yeah. guarantee you, very few people actually watch being Sports Extra, and I'm sure a lot more people will have ESPN Plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that. Uh yeah. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's show. I'm sure there's probably other races that I'm missing right now, but I'll talk about them on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter uh at RPeters33 at roller underscore zero one at Robin Roller. You know where to find us. Guys, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, uh, we appreciate uh our loyal, loyal view uh listeners. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we hope you guys have a great 4th of July weekend. Stay safe, stay cool, uh, and enjoy your time out there. Stay And just overall enjoy the racing because there's going to be a lot of it this weekend. Yeah, so be safe for-
1: out there with all those fireworks too,
0: folks. Ah, yeah, don't don't be uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and blow, blow your fingers off. Uh, so for Josh Roller, my name is Rob Peters, and this has been the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week.